is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Michael Esfeldt, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Thank you. Um, you're an hour behind me, I think. You wait, whereabouts eight are you? It's 8 o'clock in the evening now in yes. Switzerland. Yes. Okay. So you're in Switzerland. I'm in South Africa and I'm one hour ahead of you. Great. So Michael, ahead of us. Yeah. just yes, by one hour. <laughs> what is it that you do? I'm a philosopher of science. So my business is to examine knowledge claims whether they are well-founded or not, uh, and what their implications are and what their implications are not. Oh, that's very short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. I mean, philosophers, so we can go a bit back in history. So from Socrates on, philosophers annoyed other people, most uh, notably the wealthy, mm. the, the powerful, etc., by, by questioning them whether they have any knowledge of what is good for society. And it usually turned out that they don't have. And, and uh, philosophers not always made themselves friends by, by, by asking these mm. questions, but they were important. So there's a long tradition of philosophy having a critical attitude towards what happens in society and life. And in particular, philosophy of science is going into, as I said, knowledge claims. So if someone says, so we have, for instance, we have professional debates about scientific realism. That's the view that natural science can reveal the constitution of nature. Mm. And then we have debates about if they can do so, to what extent do the um, methods and laws of natural science also capture ourselves as human beings and, and questions like that. So it's a kind of epistemology. It's a kind of epistemology, exactly. Or it is epistemology. Yes. What has your focus been lately? Um, I'm guessing all of this weird type of totalitarianism that's been going on in the world. Yes, but I mean, my professional focus, so my last professional book was is called Science and Human Freedom. So that, that mm. was published in 2019 with Paul Ralph Macmillan. And it is about a scientific worldview, so to speak. So physics, physics describes the world as being composed by particles. Uh, the laws of physics are universal. And how does this fit together with human freedom? And human freedom is presupposed for doing any business of science. So if a physicist sets up an experiment, they choose uh, mm -hmm. the parameters, they measure, they discuss the results, etc. So they exercise their human freedom when they do science. And so the question is, and I argued that there's no, that there's no problem, that both can exist, coexist peacefully, so to speak, because there are some mistakes in scientific knowledge claims. For instance, when you have a deterministic law, such as Newton's law of gravitation, that law does not say that what happens is predetermined. So when people say, for instance, that determinism in physics excludes free will, they think that determinism implies that there is a predetermination. Whereas it only implies that you can, when you have all the facts in, write down laws that are simple and, and universal. So that's a typical example. So, so there's a certain knowledge claim coming from science and the guise of laws. And then people say it's deterministic and that's a problem. And then a philosopher of science can examine this and can say, hey, come on, you, you, you mix up there a certain modal claim that something is already determined. And that's not in the scientific law as such. You've written. So that's a typical example where, sorry, where someone makes a knowledge claim from science or whatever, and then a philosopher comes and says, hey, your claim does not prove that. You've written um, about Karl Popper. Why, mm -hmm. why is he important? Well, Karl Popper is an important philosopher of science. So 
one thing for philosophy of science that is important and Popper is this distinction between natural science and social science. So Popper says that in natural science, you deal with physical objects. If you can control the parameters, you can make models and predict their behavior. But in social science, you deal with human beings. And the most important variable in, in, in social science is how human beings adapt their behavior to the information that they receive. So it's not objective facts that counts if you want to do anything with scientific methods and human sciences, but how people receive these facts, how they evaluate them, and how they position themselves with respect to these facts, so what their intentions in life are, etc. And that's exactly what goes wrong now, for instance. So if you model behavior, you, 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 all these models leave out the factor that it is human beings who adapt their behavior upon the information they receive. So are you saying that human beings are not really predictable? Yes, of course, they're not. I mean, you can predict certain general traits, but you never know how a human being will react to an information that you give to them, how they will adapt themselves. And notably, human beings learn and change and improve their behavior. So if someone, say some neuroscientist, tells me about um, um, influences uh, or, or things in my brain that I didn't knew about, that I didn't know about, and that may influence my behavior, and I say, okay, that's great. Now I can change my behavior. Does that mean that I'm subject to these influences? Now I know about them. I'm free. I can try to, 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 to change my attitudes and my behavior so that I'm no longer subject to, to these uh, up to now unknown influences. I'm thinking of the very obvious example of uh, changing behavior in the last 18 months uh, being a mask. And yes. suddenly it's normal behavior. Yes, that's the dangerous thing. Now, with the mask mandates, you may say that you have a situation of uncertainty. So you try different strategies and that's fine. So mask may be one strategy, but to impose on everybody in any situation to wear a mask is totally unfounded. Because you don't know what then will happen. There may be negative effects. So you see negative effects in children if they have to wear a mask at school all the time. You see negative effects in the attitude that we have towards one another. Because if you were sitting there with a mask now, I would not see you as a human being with whom I interact, but I would see you as a source of danger. Oh, like like a dog who has to you, you you have to control that the dog does not bite you oh that's a dangerous person he may spread viruses out of their mouth and nose that's a, and that again has has consequences for our be for our behavior and the, the the good thing about popper is that he says in such a situation of uncertainty you have to try different strategies you have to do a piecemeal approach and evaluate these strategies once you see what their consequences are so don't impose mass mandates to everybody in any in every situation but say if you're in a in a tramway that is crowded at rush hour then you, 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 it, it would be reasonable to wear a mask. Or if you interact with people in hospital or in elderly homes, of course, in such situations, yes, because there is, there is clear evidence of a benefit. But if you do it in general without qualification about what the situation is, there are considerable negative side effects. Why does that happen, though? Why would there be a collective imposition of this type of mandate is it and i'm not speaking about necessarily masks it can be anything um yes. is it what does it come from is it is it from a place of fear or is it from a yes. place of wanting the greater good or, or what is it and this it's mostly a place of fear so when you when you are in a situation of uncertainty there is a natural reaction that you look for some sort of a leader who tells you what to do because you yourself may be lost or may feel that, that the situation is 
too complex for you to master it. And then we have a sort of ping pong situation because those who have interest in leading others, of course, provoke the fear or stimulate it or, or have an interest in seeing other people fearful so that they can exercise power on them. We know this from all the totalitarisms of the of the 20th century. There's the, 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 the fear or danger, the danger of of, of people with, with uh, allegedly bad genes taking over of certain classes, exploiting other people. Or so. so there was always the idea that there's some sort of an urgency, emergency, which is such that people individually cannot handle it. So someone has to intervene from the outside to tell them what to do. And that's that's exactly what we see again now. Mm. You mentioned totalitarianism, and I know that you've written about closed and open societies. Is totalitarianism an example of a closed society? Yes. I mean... Not any closed society is necessarily totalitarian, but any totalitarianism requires a closed society. So a closed society is there when some authority fixes rules and everybody has to conform to these rules in such a way that they are not open to debate these rules. They are just orders that are implemented and have to be followed without you having the right to question them, to ask for reasons and to enter into a debate. Of course, we need some rules of behavior. And, but, but the issue in an open society is that these rules are open to debate and that everyone has their say. And this in turn implies that there are certain inalienable rights of everyone. So no one can, can take away your right of free speech, otherwise you don't have an open society. No one can take away your right of, of doing contracts and business with whomever you want unless a third party is, is, is damaged by, mm. by, by your contract. But then they have to show the damage, etc. And then you have to enter into a negotiation how to solve the issue. How do you define an open society? An open society... Is, yes, as I said, it's a society that is based on recognizing every individual as a person that has basic rights and the rules that this society fixes are there in the first place to ensure that everybody has, their, has the possibility to participate and to, to, to how you say, to, 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 to set the aims for their own life and reach these aims and evaluate situations as they think fit, fit etc. So an open society is characterized mainly, I mean, for an intellectual by open debate. If you go to econ econ economy by, by, by uh, not um, any outside um, instance interfering in, in the business you do with other people, etc., so it's characterized by the absence of a central power that coerces uh, people towards what they call a common good, what the power sees as the common good for all. So it would be the, f the freedom to act and think as an individual. Yes. yes. And the exchange, I mean, it's a social matter. You are not, you are not an isolated individual. What you do has consequences for others. So, of course, take these others into account. But it's the, the possibility of having a free exchange of ideas and goods, services, and or whatever it may be. I'm guessing, though, that the line between an open and closed society is somewhat fuzzy uh, because it's never one or the other. Yes, of course. So, so a society can be more on the side of, of being open and shift, as we see now, towards becoming closed. Of course, you can have all things uh, in between. Are open societies paradoxically more susceptible to becoming closed? No, it can go also the other way around. But I think the, 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 if you look towards history we had the development from from 
medieval societies that were closed societies and, and perhaps closed societies for social economic reasons. Then we had the, the, the religious wars in, in, in Europe in the, from the 15th to the 18th century. And then we learned a lesson from these religious wars that the state has to refrain from interfering with religion. Because this, if the state or if the state power imposes one religion, one set of religious beliefs on society, on everybody, this leads to clashes and wars. So the society became more open, more open and granting freedom of religion. Once freedom of religion was granted, you could also grant freedom to science. Well, science developed out of theology was was. Uh, even if you look into Newton, he had strong Newton had strong religious beliefs, and and those influenced his, his, his physics. Uh, but afterwards, this this moved. So science got separated from religion, and the state did not interfere in science either. So let gave gave freedom to science. So we had, and then we had the the coming together with this the the movement to universal rights, the evolution of slavery in the 19th century, etc. So all this was a move towards a more open society. And what we then saw in the 20th century was that, that the technical means, so mass media, gave the possibility of mass control, and that led to a development towards closed societies, as we saw in fascism and communism, which were only possible because now a central power could control media, spread propaganda, and, and exercise a direct uh, central control, which was not be possible before. So if I'm understanding, closed societies can organically grow uh, in, a, in a modular fashion. So you, you could end up with an open society that starts having a media that becomes closed. And that yes. can... In, in essence, affect the rest of society. Yes. So, if you, if once we look up back upon these Corona times, which are not over as yet, you would we will certainly find sources and the germs of it um, backwards in, in in certain developments that we have so had. So, one development is that that people. No, say put it that way. Human rights at the basics are rights of defense. No one has the right to interfere into what you think, what you say, um, how you do business with other people, etc. But human rights can also be conceived as positive rights. So you may have the right to social aid, to health care, and uh, the, to, to unemployment insurance, and and whatever it may be. But if these are positive rights, this requires that there is some power that enforces them and that rules society in such a way that, for instance, through taxes, through, through, through regulation of money, etc., they have to make sure that these social benefits can be implemented. And there may be nothing wrong with that, but it can lead to the tendency that you think that for any risk or for anything that occurs in life, there is, so to speak, a nanny which takes care of you, who takes care of you. And that's what we see now, a virus spreads and, and the direction among many people is to call for a state that protects them without asking the question whether the state or some central power is able to protect them from a virus. They may protect them from, from military intervention by some other state, or they may protect them from falling into poverty through a, through a system of, of, of social security. But are they even able to protect you from the spread of a virus? But once you have the attitude that, that for everything there is someone that, that that will help you out and you have the right to to, 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 to someone coming intervening and and um, solving the issue for you that may lead you on a, on a road that what uh, about higher court the road to serve them that you end mm. up uh, where we are getting now and then you move from an open to a closed society because then you need a central power that enforces this. So if you have the right to be protected against the spread of a virus, you need a central power that regulates social context to make sure that you cannot contract a virus. But to ensure this, that central power has to regulate the social context of everybody. 
So even prevent um, um, children to see their grandparents or, or or families to see their 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 friends and family if they are in hospital uh, and all all such things. And then you you move to a closed society because freedom is taken away. And then you see what happened to enforce such orders. You then have to say, but now you must not call this order and question. And then it is finished with the freedom of science or the freedom of mm. religion. But now it's the freedom of science because then it comes. Well, science tells you that you have to do this. As in former times, you would say finish with freedom of religion. Religion tells you that you have to behave uh, in a certain way now. Because then to enforce this, you need some, some ideology that, uh, uh, that tells people that this is right and good when someone asks questions. It sounds like you're describing a cult. Yes, it is. But, but, there, are, but there are roots in, in, in psychology to this, which are then exploited. So you just need, and in, in, in any situation, That was, I mean, look at the Great Depression and in, in, in what happened in Europe. I mean, fascism and the, 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 the economic uncertainty that was caused by the Great Depression around 1930 led to, 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 to fascism in Germany and that drove the, the fascist movements in Europe. Of course, they profited from a crisis. And the, the, the idea that there's some leader who can finish this crisis and drag people out of it is very attractive instead of looking into the real causes of the crisis and, uh, and tackle these issues. Who are the enemies of an open society? Well, the, the Platonists, I would say, to put it very brief. I mean, Popper, this, 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 this um, work, The Open Society and Its Enemies, has two volumes. And the first volume is mainly about Plato. And, I mean, whether Popper really does justice to Plato, it's another issue. But, but Plato had the idea that there's a privileged group of people, the philosophers for him, who have... Um, a knowledge, the knowledge of the good, and that knowledge entitles them to rule in society. So the, the, the enemies are those who think, I mean, and, and to defend Plato, I mean, a Plato scholar can with reason argue that the knowledge Plato had in mind was a knowledge that is totally different from the knowledge experts these days have. So no one these days has a Platonic knowledge and that the philosophers Plato had in mind were ideally moral people, so some sorts of saints, and, and these are not there today either. But today's Platonists think that, so you could use the term elite, that they think that they have a privileged knowledge which entitles them to rule over society, that they have a privileged knowledge because they're experts in medicine or experts in economy, in economics or experts in, in whatever they may be, even in social science. And then they are entitled to do, the sociologists would say they're entitled to do social engineering. They know better than the people themselves what is good for the people. So a, a typical reaction these days is when you say, but look, People can make up their mind themselves. They will adapt their behavior. People are not bad. They are not irresponsible. So if they know that the virus spreads and that certain people, mostly elderly people, are at risk, they will adapt their behavior. No one puts uh, someone else and no one spreads viruses intentionally and, and puts someone else at risk intentionally, at least not on a general scheme. So... Why? And then the typical answer is, but look, the situation is so complex, the people cannot judge for themselves. That's why we need the experts now, such as medical scientists. They will judge for the people, and they know what is good, what is the common good in this situation, and they implement mm -hmm. it. And these are, they are enemies of the open society because the problem is their attitude. Yes. The problem is that they think... First, that they have a privileged knowledge that is not as accessible to other people, which is not true. And that secondly, this privileged knowledge 
gives them a moral status, a moral normative status so that they yeah. are entitled to rule society. And whenever someone has this idea, you are, you are free to label the enemy of the old society by citing proper. So it's not an insult, it's a description by, by, by reference to, at least I don't mean it as an, in, as an insult, I mean it as a, as a reference by description to Popper. And then in the volume two, Popper went into modern times. And, and uh, one of these things is what, what I mentioned before, the idea that, that in the social sciences, you can apply the methods of natural sciences and treat human beings like physical objects that move on predetermined uh, trajectories that you can um, uh, steer, like you steer physical objects in a laboratory. So whenever has this, someone has this idea that they are entitled to do social engineering, to, 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 to rule society towards what they think is a common good and, and claims the knowledge and the moral status to do, mm. so then they are enemies of the open societies. And unfortunately, many of these guys are around these days. COP26, there's a climate emergency. We know what's best for planet Earth. Exactly. It's another, it's, 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 I mean, for the climate that does not work so, 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 so well up to now because um, people are somehow reluctant to, 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 to let them tell how to adapt their behavior. So in any of these issues, climate and the coronavirus, there are real problems behind it. That's no question. The, the, the question is whether anyone has, has the capacity capacity to make predictions about what will happen under what con conditions. They can make predictions, but these predictions are moral predictions where you adjust certain parameters and you always can adjust them in different ways and the results for the future will be completely different. So I think in the first place, humility should be in place. There, You, should, you have to acknowledge that we have certain data that we have certain methods of evaluating these data, but, but that no one has any knowledge of, of, of what the future will be like under what conditions. And then there are different strategies for action, and no one is in a privileged position to impose a strategy for action on anyone else. So if someone says, follow the signs, mm. they, they, what, what do they, they, mean? they have understood nothing ex at all about science because science is a method. It's not a political program. Science is a method to mm. find out truths of the world through experiment, through controlled experiments, through critical discussion, yes. I would even say through skepticism, through probing this. But it's not a political program that destroys science. And that's exactly a mark of the closed society when you treat science like religion, which led to the religious war, as mm. something that can rule society. And religion, of course, has its place as well. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a moral guide for, for, for individuals and for their communities, but it's not a political program to rule society. You You've mentioned morality a few times, and I get the impression that these these enemies of the open society see themselves as some sort of priests. Um, yes. And in other words, you and I are guilty by the virtue of our existence, and so therefore yes. we have to, we have to now pay for our sins through, uh, oh, I don't know, staying in our home because this because they have deemed. A pandemic. We have to pay taxes because uh, Earth is changing temperature. These are our sins that we must now pay penance for. Yes, there is this attitude, and there is the. I mean, if we stay with medicine for a minute, when you see a medical doctor. It may happen that the doctor tells you, well, you have this and this disease and you have to do this and this therapy. Okay, that is. So the doctor treats you like a child which has uh, no reason. So then it may happen that the therapy does not work. So, so 
I had this experience, and then I start ask questions to the doctor. And if, in, in the most cases, the medical doctor will tell me, okay, so that's the evidence that we have, that's what we know, and then we discuss now strategies what to do. But it may also happen and uh, that the medical expert says, but you don't have the right to question me. I'm the expert here, and I tell you what you have to do. Now apply this to society, then we are here. So the medical doctor sees themselves like a priest who is uh, who judges your sins and imposes a certain um, penalty upon you. But I don't think that this attitude is in a conscious and intentional way widespread. Of course, some people may have it. It's rather this, 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 this mechanism that something which is, uh, which is about which we are uncertain. So future development of climate is uncertain, mm. future, what, what, I mean, at the first time when such a virus arises, it's uncertain how dangerous uh, it is. And then there, there, there is this uncertainty and some people profit from it. Okay, so you see also these, these uh, at, uh, you see all sorts of, of pseudo-religious people also may taking profit from from, from crisis by 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 uh, claiming or pretending that they, that they know a way out. So there's there's this. I mean, this this whole thing would not have functioned if we were in what Kant calls the time of enlightenment. And there's this famous paper by Kant, what is enlightenment? And Kant concludes that we don't live in an enlightened age, but we live in a time where enlightenment is making progress. And today you have to say, unfortunately, at least for today, this is not to today, this is not true, because enlightenment, according to Kant, is the courage that people have to use their own reason. And usually my reaction is, if, if, say, if a medical doctor tells me you have to do this and this and that without giving reasons which I can understand and without being open to discussion, I tell them, shut up. And I say, well, well thank you, but I see another doctor now. I don't, uh, mm. I don't let myself be ruled from you. And then they may say, but then you damage your health or the health of your children. And I say again, shut up. I will consult now someone. So my attitude is to say, well, come on. What? Yeah. Uh, 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 how do you? Uh, how do you claim to have such knowledge? I want to. Ch I can use my own reason. But if people don't use their own reason, then that has, so there. There are two sides, and there, there are those who manipulate and those who let themselves manipulate. Mm. And unfortunately, you would think that that at least in, in, in the Western world we had a culture of reason that you learn to make your own assessments. I mean, when you have democracy, you are asked to vote, which means that you can uh, assess for your own the situation. And it's not that, that but today it's prescribed what you, what you can vote for and what not. So a good example is in Switzerland in 10 days, we'll have a vote on this, uh, on this so-called COVID law, which introduces the health passes. So, and, and of course, the, the scientist lobby and the medical lobby says that if you people don't vote in favor of the health pass, you vote against science and reason. Hmm. That's this authoritarian argument. So there is no, and yet if they would say, but okay, come on, if this is your attitude, then please ask for a change of the constitution and, and say there are no longer no votes. We have directly a rule by the experts. Because if you say that science and reason imposes a certain vote, there is no point of having a vote. Of course, no one would, uh, with, with their mind, vote against reason and science. So that's that's the so that's, these are both sides in there. And many people say this because they're, they're now here in Switzerland because of this vote on twenty eighth of November, which is in, in twelve days, I guess. Uh, Heated debate. So, and, and you meet a lot of people. So, so also people that otherwise are so, so they're also political parties in it. So the liberal party says vote yes. And then when I see mm. people represented, I say, let's say you, you claim to be liberal it's in the classical European sense, these liberal parties. So usually they are for human rights. And so say you claim to be a liberal, but that's not true. If you say you should vote yes for health passes and then the standard answer is, but the scientists tell us to do so. I said, but, but come on, if you're liberal, you can make up your own mind. So people voluntarily give up their own reason, give up making mm. and see to the authority of science as they see that in former times to the authority of, of, of religion. I mean, of a state-imposed religion. 
the issue is not at all about religious faith. It's sure, about the state-imposed sure. religion. You're talking now about voting, but does the electoral process not run the risk of defeating its own purpose? As in, can you not vote to close the society? Yes, that's, of course, the problem and the issue, but how, I don't know how to deal with it. So, I mean, if we were in an ideal situation, there would be no vote about mask mandates because they are unconstitutional. End of story. About, no, not the mask mandates, the health passes. I mean, the, 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 the mask mandates can be debated for a certain, it's a medical issue in the first place, but the, but the health pass issue is a human rights issue. So you need the health pass to enter university and whatever. That's at least what they what they try to impose, which which comes up to 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 vaccine mandates, which can through the constitution mm. at least in Europe not be imposed openly. So they are imposed indirectly, and uh, that sh there should be no vote. There should also be, I mean, and I would go as far as saying there should be no no debate on that. Because an open society cannot have a debate on becoming a closed society. That makes no sense. If I debate with you, I cannot say, okay, thank you for the invitation. But please, in the first place, prove now that, that you are entitled to speak to me. I don't recognize you as a human being as such. I want first know something about your health status your mental background, your political background, perhaps you're a dangerous person or whatever. So you have first have to prove you don't have any rights as a human being. You first have to prove towards the authority, according to the conditions that this authority fixes, that you are entitled to participate in, the, in society. And of course, you cannot have a vote on such things. So if we were in a, but I mean, de facto, we are in a situation where, where we can be grateful that there's a vote at all. And uh, mm. but usually, I mean, this is this is an issue. So an open society does not mean any sort of relativism or, or things like that. An open society has to be, I mean, if you go back to Kant again, which was who was also influential for Popper and what Kant says about republicanism. So that's that's an open republican state for Kant is an is something that corresponds to the open society. The foundations of the republic are categorical. So the categorical imperative, the recognition that that, that you can never use a human being as a mere means to an end, but always have to recognize them as end and themselves cannot be subject to debate at a vote. It can be subject to debate in a concrete case, whether someone is just exercising, say, their right of free speech or whether they are insulting other people. So somehow there has to be a rule, a regulation on free speech because you have to fix a limit when free speech becomes abuse of free speech and you insult someone else. And of course, this limit is pragmatic. It depends on culture, etc. What is acceptable as free speech? But if you say to someone, if you frame this in such a way that you say, uh, you, before you are allowed to open your mouth, you have to prove that your views are in confirmation with what health authorities say these days, or whatever then you move out of an open society and you cannot have a vote on that. You cannot mm -hmm. have a vote on basic human rights. That makes no sense because you cannot vote whether you deprive or grant human mm -hmm. rights to someone. Freedom and open society are obviously very tightly related. By the sounds of it, freedom is extremely fragile. Yes, and freedom is, I mean, freedom is always tied to responsibility. So I would say freedom is tied to reason. It's not just an arbitrary, it's not arbitrariness. It's not arbitrary, chancy movement or doing just as you like here. Now, it's thinking about what you should do in a given situation or what you should do and as a general rule for your life or what kind or type of person you want to be. So it's about being able to give reasons for your choices and being subject on demand to giving reasons. So freedom in that sense is tied to reason. So it makes also no sense to, to, 
to abandon reason because there was the word abandon freedom. So it's about searching for good reasons for thought. So when you discuss about theories, proposals, somebody makes and searching for good reasons for actions. And what a good reason is, is not predetermined a priori. It's something mm. that has to prove to come out as a good reason in a debate. And this again gets us back to the conditions for the open society. So it's a freedom, but 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 what the Greeks would call logos. So so it's the it's it's what makes us free from just following our instincts. But at what point would you consider a society to be open? Because I'm 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 guessing that absolute freedom is paradoxically destructive. Absolute freedom is paradoxically destructive because, I mean, the freedom that you have to do what you think fits requires, if it is these Kantian terms, Kantian freedom, it requires that you grant that very freedom to everybody else. And this implies that you limit your freedom. So you're not free to insult someone else. You're not free to... to to, to use violence against someone else, etc. That's for sure. But that is just the rule or the reason which is implemented in freedom and which requires the, the, that, that what you take yourself entitled to be, you grant also to everybody else. And that imposes a limit on what you're entitled to be. But that does not, in no means make you unfree. It's just analytically, it's, it's, uh, it's mm. included in the, in the notion of freedom and philosophy as it is tied to reason. Are closed societies synonymous with centralized institutions and structures? Yes, in the modern term. Yes, in modern times. Or at least in Greek times, but in the Greek times it was limited to cities. Because, in a, I mean, if you have a, a family tyrant, or say you're in the medieval ages and you, you have some, some local um, 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 tyrant, you can simply walk away. I mean, there, it, would, it wouldn't be a closed society in the sense Popper has in mind. I mean, it would be closed because um, um, uh, you, would, uh, you would probably not survive if you, if you run away because you need the, 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 the cooperation, you need this, 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 this framework to, to have your daily food. But it, it, as a, in this modern sense and also in the sense in which it was applied to the Greek cities, it requires a central authority that does a planning of the lives of everybody. Otherwise, it would be open because there would be no central um, um, mm. indication. It requires the idea of a common good for all, which is such that uh, there's some authority that steers society towards that common good. In an open society, there would always be different proposals for a common good. So someone may require uh, um, um, protection from viruses as the common good, but someone else would say that enjoying social context is a mm. common good, and uh, etc. So there would be different notions of a common good, and and uh, people are free to associate such that uh, they, they they can pursue their 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 common good and their association as long as it is not imposed on anyone outside um, uh, uh, wanting to associate themselves with, with the issue, with the good in question. Well, so you can have people that decide for themselves to lock them in and organize that mm -hmm. they get food or so. Or you can have... Um, you can have restaurants, fitness studios, and whatever. They can say they let in only people that are who are vaccinated against the coronavirus, or you, who who show a PCR test, mm. or, or or who have a certain uh, political beliefs, or, or whatever. All this can happen in a, in an open society to the extent that it is not imposed on others. But when one, when one such group takes over the society and opposes it on other, then you have the central instance, and then you move towards a closed society. What are some of those warning signs? The warning sign is follow the signs, for instance. If So one, in, in my area, one, one clear warning signs is if someone claims, when someone claims that 
scientific knowledge is such that uh, it gives a direction, it is a political program, and that, uh, that scientific knowledge as such implies certain political measures so that they cannot be debated. I give you a very concrete example. I mean, in Germany, I became a member of the German National Academy, and on the 8th of December, the Academy issued a scientific proof of the absolute necessity of a lockdown, and I wrote an open letter of protest. Yeah, And the next day, the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel, went to the parliament where there was opposition against the renewed lockdown. This was over Christmas last year and said, okay, here's the scientific proof. Now it is like the law of gravitation. We have to do this. And there was no, contra apart from the extreme right, there was no contradiction in parliament. So this was a clear sign of a closed society because the chancellor said, this is not an issue for debate now, that we debate what would be the, the, the costs and benefits of this, etc. No. There's a law, she explicitly mentioned Newton's law of gravitation. So there's a law like the law of gravitation. Science has proven this law. Here's the paper from the academy. We have to do a lockdown. No debate. And that's, of course, that's where you clearly see it's a closed society because someone makes now knowledge claims such that these knowledge claims entitle them to rule. And that was the same in all the closed societies. So if you go just back a bit in history, the national socialists, by contrast to just fascist dictators such as Mussolini or Franco, Hitler and, and his entourage, they were convinced that they just apply biological laws. Of course, they had a completely misconceived ideas of what the biological laws were, but subjectively, they were convinced that their biological race laws like the law of gravitation, and all what they do is they implement these laws. It is not that they have certain ideas and that they are responsible for what they do and that there can be a debate. It's just implementing laws of nature. The same in communism. There, 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 this, this dialectical materialism had the completely misguided idea that the laws of, of the movement of matter apply also to history and, and lead towards a classless society. But in any case, these communists, they were convinced that they just implement laws of nature. So for them, there could not be an issue of debate. And if someone dissented, they were, they were put in a psychiatric hospital. They were treated as psychopaths because they don't uh, realize that it cannot be an issue of debate or so they are mentally ill. So if you look mm -hmm. at what happens today, those who, do, to, who are opposed to this first slogan, follow the signs, they are treated as idiots. So they are described as uh, whatever, right-wing populist, etc., unscientific, irrational, etc. So they are no longer treated as human beings. So it's again the idea that science uh, imposes a certain political course of action upon us. And those who don't do this, they are no longer scientific or rational. So you cannot have a debate with them. You, you cancel them. That's what happens. And this is the clear mark, so was for me, was only one day after the Academy published that uh, allegedly scientific proof, it was immediately used for the political purpose of, of suppressing a debate mm. because it's laws of nature. And of course, you cannot debate the law of gravitation. That would be silly. But if the law of gravitation imposes your lockdown, you cannot debate the lockdown either. So if the law of gravitation or the laws of... of um, of climate science oppose a certain political actions, then there is no debate. And these political actions, that's not the decisive points, they have priority over human rights. So you could not, you cannot object to the law of gravitation by saying, come on, I have human rights. Of course, you don't have the right to jump over your house. You have not the right to violate the law of gravitation. That would be silly and makes no sense. So you have no human rights here because there are certain laws of nature and they take away your human rights. Or you may exercise them, then they say, of course, if you, if you make this point in these terms, uh, then they said, as they did in this academy, uh, then they said, okay, but Michael, you make an error. You see, there is no debate because there cannot be a debate. 
And if you point to the debate, so then you point to the Great Barrington Declaration, or so they say, oh no, this cannot be scientists. We don't examine this. We don't even read it. We know I priori that these cannot be scientists because they descend from the proven scientific laws. Okay, and when you when when there's such an attitude, you know. This is this uh, this is a closed society, and then I wrote this this paper again on the new enemies of the open society. Then you know with uh, then you know with whom you have to deal. So there are clear signs whenever debate is suppressed by authority. You could just replace this. Go some centuries back and just could say God has said this and this or ordered mm. this and that. Okay, and and then uh, you cannot debate the orders of God. That's clear. And of course, when. When you hear the phrase "follow the science," your immediate response should be, "What science?" Yes, but you cannot. I mean, my immediate response would be, "Okay, so I'm, I'm maybe too dogmatic or too abrupt." Let's say, "Okay, if someone says that the political conclusions follows from science, I know that this cannot be science mm. because, for a very simple reason, science discovers facts." It's a method. It's not. Um, it's not a phase or a political program or whatever. It's a method to discover facts, and facts are facts, and norms are norms. No, a fact is that something is the case. So the Earth turns around the Sun. That is the case. Or the Earth uh, is a sphere. That is the case. That is a fact. And the, 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 and what you should do that you should ban um, um, fossil energy or whatever. This is a this is a norm. It's a should. You should do something. And the fact by logic, for pure logic, cannot apply a norm. You need some mm. normative premise. And that normative premise does not come out of science. That's what is so silly in there. Because if it were religion, then at least it would be clear that it is about norms and that there is knowledge of some of something normative in there. But how on earth can there be some normative knowledge uh, in science as we know it? Of course, then your take also is right. You say, okay, but listen, science is a method, so there are always debates in science. And in this case at hand, uh, if the I mean, if the issue is clear, you don't need the slogan "follow the science." Okay, if there's a hurricane coming, right? If if you hear and if you get on the news, a hurricane is coming. You adapt your behavior. You leave the region. If you get the news, a hurricane is coming. You don't need anyone saying, now follow the signs of meteorology <laughs> and there's a hurricane coming. Okay? <laughs> if it's a fact, and it, if it's clear that the fact uh, has certain consequences for your life, you go. So it's the mm. same with a pandemic. Now, if a dangerous virus comes, if you have the, 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 the Black Death again, You see this, you see when people go out of the house, they mix, etc. they drop dead, they become ill and drop dead. But you won't go out of your house. You don't need someone telling you follow the signs and you don't need the government to impose a lockdown. You may need just the opposite. You may need a government which says, or some moral authority which says, but come on, certain professionals such as Doc, medical doctors, people who, who, who take care of, of, of basic needs so that we have food and water. You have to go, in spite of the danger, out of, you have to leave your house now and go to work to ensure that, 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 that life can go on, to ensure that there's medical treatment. So if you order anything or if anyone orders anything in such a situation, it's just the opposite. Because if there's a real pandemic, of course, everybody would shut themselves in their house. That's what happens in the medieval ages. They, they, they close themselves in in mm. order not to contract the virus because they saw that the virus was deadly. And if then they have a vaccination, of course, they go to, to get the vaccination. You never have to impose a vaccine mandate. Yeah. If someone, I mean, if, if the vaccination is doing what it does, then those who are vaccinated are protected. And those who don't want to protect themselves, they will, they will suffer the consequences. End of stories. But you don't have to protect the protected. So those who are vaccinated yeah. from the unprotected to refuse themselves. So, or say if someone takes drugs or drinks alcohol, I may talk to them and say, well, listen, is this really a good thing? But 
if they do it and, 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 and no one else needs uh, to tell you, I mean, if you're an adult, it's with, mm. with use is something else. But if you're an adult, no one has to tell you don't take drugs or don't take alcohol or follow the signs and not. You see the consequences. So either the thing is true and obvious, and then you don't need to sort of the slogan, follow the signs or the politicians who treat you like little children as to what to do. Or it is not obvious, but then you need to open mm. the debate and trying out different strategies. Yes. So a slogan like follow the signs or a government imposing lockdowns is always wrong. Because if these things are justified, people will do it for themselves. And if they yeah. are imposed, it's a sign that they are not justified. What you're saying is that it should be self-evident. Yes. So, so if there's a virus spreading, if the, if the Black Death comes, it's self-evident. Or if the mm. hurricane comes, it's self-evident. If some people want to kill themselves or want to stay in their home and get killed, so be it. Then, then, yeah. uh, but, but, the, but the people, but the, 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 everybody will adapt their behavior. So, for Spontaneity. example... So, so sorry, that, mm. just because this is exciting. So you treat from the outset people as silly as they are not able to care for themselves and their lives. But they are. They obviously are. Everyone uses, mm. you use your reason every day. When you go shopping, you make certain choices for your diet. You look at the price. You look at how the product is produced or whatever your preferences are. But you do this every day. You weigh the risks. You make the choices for your life. And you can do this. You succeed in doing this. Some people succeed better than others. So be it. You, then you talk to them. You try to open their, their mind, etc. But you leave them their freedom to do it. Yeah, I was I was about to say. So, for example, I'm I'm flying on an airplane tomorrow, and when I go to the airport, I can guarantee you that there are going to be billboards telling me how scary um, this uh, this virus is, and and that I need to follow the science and obey and comply, etc. Now, that's obviously an example then of the airport closing society. It's a violation of an open society concept. Not so. Yes, I mean, these, these, I mean, as we said before, if someone runs an airplane, they are free to set conditions. And then someone else will run an airplane or an air company and not set these conditions and there, there, there should be competition. And, uh, and then people will, will make their choices by their preference, as you can choose an air company that serves you a good meal on the plane and, and another one where you have to pay for each glass of water. It's your, it's your choice. But these, these, uh, I mean, in Switzerland, we always have, you cannot go out in the, the street, you see, wear a mask, wash your hands, keep a distance. Come on. If you put this in a kindergarten for children of five years old, of course, that's all right. They have to learn it. But with adult people out there in the street, you say, well, they, they treat me as an idiot. Of course, I know. And I tell my kids, well, you have to wash your hands before you <laughs> If you, if there's a virus spreading, etc., you keep a distance in the sense that you look at at what is the attitude of the other mm. person, right? You respect yeah. their attitude and 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 you see what they do. That's for sure. If if somehow for some reason you you, you see you are you're in a crowded train or whatever in such a situation, most people will wear, a, will wear a mask just out of politeness to what, even if they are not convinced themselves. I would do so voluntarily just out of respect for the other people because I see we are now in a crowded uh, train at rush hour and I see that some people feel unwell about that, that they all breath, etc. Of course, of respect for the other people, I wear a mask. I don't need a mask mandate. And if a few people don't do so, so be it. I mean, the cost of forcing them, the consequences are much more severe than tolerating that, that, that some people have different attitudes. And you could say, well, do you think in this situation, this is respectful behavior? I can ask them, but if I put these, these leaflets, I treat them really like, uh, like that, that shows that, that these authorities, these health authorities, that they have completely run out of all their senses when they treat uh, um, people like that. Just to throw in something, um, it's not only politicians and those in the government sphere. It's also in the private sector. I mean, if we think about YouTube censoring and completely yes. 
Yes, but, but then it should be clear. Either they are a channel that is open for everyone, or they say we, 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 only, we, we mm. only want the videos with, with this and that content, but then they should say openly so. Now it's just censorship. Which so, is not which shows that I mean they 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 conform to the rules or they overconform to the rules. So that that so in my in, in in universities here, in my universities and other universities there were stories such that when they imposed the students now have to have these health paths, and then some teachers asked, Well, how do you control this now? And my idea was that but come on, where we are, I will never control it. So if they impose this, I, I mean, then I have to accept that they impose this, but then they should hire police to control this. As a teacher, I don't control health passports. It would never mm-hmm. get to the idea. So there are some people, they get an order and then they say, okay, so and now they, now they, they do more than is required. They want to show how good a citizen they are by overcomplying. That's what what you see in many places in the in the private sector. There are no yeah. official vaccine mandates, at least in, in Switzerland and in, Conte, in in Italy. They tried and France. They tried to impose this, but you cannot impose this in a general way. It's unconstitutional. But nevertheless, employers uh, uh, the. the Try de facto to impose this and that violates the right of the employees, although there is no state authority. You know the the, the, the Milgram experiment in the 60s. So a scientist or someone pre- pretending to be a scientist gave the, 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 the subjects instructions that they uh, that they give electric shocks. And, and I mean that the person who received the electric shocks was an actor, and of course this was an experiment, but but the but the the, the, the persons who participated in this experience believed that they give electric shocks to other one. And there was no authority with a gun there telling them to do so. It suffice to create the impression that this is what is expected from you. And an astonishing uh, large number of people just complied and, and, and uh, complied sure. in, a, in a way that there was no, there was no gunpoint there. And I mean, totalitarian systems don't function that wow. there are not so many people with a gun around that could force them. They function because they, they brainwash people, so to speak. So they, totalitarianism they, is all encompassing is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. And it is such that it works. I mean, the, the Soviet imperium, and the end work uh, since the 1950s, when in East Berlin and Hungary they had these, they 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 they, they could only use the Soviet tanks. That was clear. It was just a military dictatorship, and a military dictatorship can last for decades. You see it now in Syria, but usually they are not open military dictatorships. They allow because they 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 are stable. They they have success because people believe it what they say. People have themselves brainwashed and you tell them you spread fear and you tell them that, that the situation is so urgent, so complex and so dangerous that they cannot use their own reason. So the biggest enemy to totalitarianism is always liberalism when people start encouraged to use their own reason. You can spread another doctrine, then they would fight against you, but, but, that's what, but that's not the real danger to them. The real danger is when people restart using their reason. And when can, people refuse to have them taken away their own reason. But can totalitarianism also be subversive? Yes, but what do you mean exactly? By? Well, I mean, you were talking about tanks. Uh, that's very obvious. That's very obvious, yes. And now we don't have obvious violence. We have indirect violence. We have verbal violence. We have sense. We have some in part open censorship. But mm. for the system to work, it should be such that no one comes, that no one has the idea that something could go wrong. Yeah. So when they came out with the Great Barrington Declaration, they had to be silenced because now medical professionals said something is going wrong. Mm. And that's the great catastrophe. That must not happen. I mean, they have to be presented as people who are who are psychopaths, who are who are mad, who are somehow 
who are somehow silly. The, dang the most dangerous thing is uh, when there are enough people left to, to use their own reason and to say they don't have to make a, a program themselves. They just say that everybody can look for themselves. So as we discussed before, if there's a dangerous pandemic going on, you can you, you see the pandemic, you see the victims in the streets, you adapt your behavior. So just think for yourself. Or how can it be that a year ago in Europe now there are a lot of new cases? So how a year ago there were a high number of cases and no vaccinations. Now most of the population is vaccinated and there are even higher number of cases. So how can it be true that the vaccination is the solution to this problem? I mean, the vaccination may mm. help to protect you, offers limited protection, uh, may help to protect people at risk. Uh, that's not the issue for now. It's not that by imposing vaccine mandates you get out of the pandemic because you see just the, the opposite happening now. So everybody can ask these questions. And the same is, is with climate change. Everybody can, 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 can ask this and everybody can ask the question. So my first question to, to scientists making these claims would be the Popperian question. Okay, please tell me which evidence would speak against your theory. Tell me now, say, if we get five cold winters in a row or whatever, it's, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. Tell me what would falsify your claims. And if they cannot do it, I know it's not science. The yeah. same here, I would say, tell me what yeah. falsifies the claim that lockdowns are for help or that the general vaccination of the population is the way out. So usually a year ago, I would have expected if, if cases then rise instead of to decrease, but that would count as a falsification. So the first thing when someone makes a knowledge claim, I want to know is what would, according to what would be what, what invalidates their knowledge claim. Because... The confirmation is not the issue. You can always fabricate a story. You can always find a single case that, that uh, I mean, there are also strong men that bite the little dogs, right? It's not that the dogs bite the men, but you will certainly find somewhere a strong man who, who bite a little dog to, to death. So but that's not, uh, that does not mean mm. that, that, that men bite dogs and not the other way around. So I want to, I, I don't want to have single stories, anecdotic evidence of confirmation because I can find that for everything. I want to know what falsifies the theory. And the scientist who make this has to tell me what proves that their theory are wrong. That their theory is wrong, that they are wrong. Yes, yes. Um, in front of you, there's a crystal ball. What do you see? I see two things. I see people using their reason and I see people failing to do so. I don't know. I only know that if we make, uh, if you and me, if we talk to each other, if people listen to us, that's the best thing we can do to encourage them to use their reason. But the rest is not in our hands because predetermination is wrong. Or at least we don't have any access to, 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 to predetermination. Where can people find more about you? Uh, on my website, michaelsfeld.com. Everything I've published, everything I've said in these, these days is, is in the public outreach section of my website. Michael Esfeld, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. My name is Jim. This is Jim Wolfe, The Battle of Ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.